Hi, this is Cindy Wilson, and you're listening to Cigar City Radio. Cigar City Radio is sponsored by No Clubs and StateMedia.com. Find out about upcoming concerts in Tampa Bay by visiting StateMedia.com and tagging No Clubs on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Use the hashtag WeAreConcerts. Here's what No Clubs has coming up this summer. Friday, May 31st, Black Bear is bringing the Dead to the World Tour to Janice Live. Thursday, June 13th, the Monster Energy Outbreak Tour comes to town at the Ritz Ebor with Slushy. That's an 18-plus show so our intern Simone can go. Thursday, June 20th, Bowling for Soup and Real Big Fish with Nerf Herder at Janice Live. Love that. That's a great lineup. Tuesday, July 30th, August Burns Red brings their 10 Years of Constellations tour to the Ritz Ebor with Silverstein and Silent Planet. Tuesday, August 6th at the Orpheum, Baroness is bringing the Golden Gray tour to Ebor. Thursday, August 15th at Janice Live, Umphreys McGee and Magic City Hippies are going to be in town. Saturday, August 17th at the Ritz Ebor, you can catch Pedro the Lion and Me Without You. Sunday, August 18th at Vinoy Park, we have Revolution, the Good Vibes Summer Tour with Protege, Collie Buds, and DJ Mackle. I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of a little bit of smoke in the air. For more info on all these shows and to see the rest of the lineup coming to town throughout the year, head to statemedia.com and use the hashtag #WeAreConcerts. Welcome to Cigar City Radio. The song you just heard was Factory by Shark Muffin. It's off the album Suki. It's out now. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, and making the magic happen, a man who puts out fires everywhere he goes and starts fires everywhere he goes, Mr. Jason Solanas. I, I I had something terrible to say to that, but there are youngins in the crowd right now, and I can't say yeah, you such gotta, terrible things in front of them. No, no, there are our uh, our interns have very sensitive ears. Yeah, so. they would have to wear earmuffs. Yeah. for this one. Yeah, guys, earmuffs, earmuffs, earmuff. No, they're gonna now they're earmuffed. earmuffed. All yeah. right, now that they're earmuffed, uh, I guess it would be uh, starting fires if. Uh, that's horrible. Yeah, that's why we have bleeps. Yeah, that's exactly and, what I And they took off their earmuffs before I said that. Yeah. <laughs> Our guest on this episode is Christine Leshper from the band Mothers, which is an Athens, Georgia-based band. Their second album, Render Another Ugly Method, is out now via Anti Records. We caught them while they were on tour with Lucy Dacus. It was a really awesome show at Crowbar. Really enthusiastic crowd there. It was a lot of fun to be at that show. Mothers is an incredible band and it was great talking to Christine. It was pretty hot out there in the crowbar back patio, but we had a great chat. Uh, she was really fun to talk to and hopefully 
She'll be back again soon so we can talk to her some more. Really great episode. You can follow Mothers on Instagram at Mothers Band and listen to them on all the digital stores. So here it is. Mothers. friend Christine from Mothers who is playing tonight with Lucy Dacus at the Crow Bar. It's going to be a crazy show tonight. Um, so first off, how's everything going? How's tours life so far? It's going good. Um, it's always good to be back in Florida. I find that we have always had amazing shows here. I find that a lot of bands like don't make it down to Florida. It is kind of far from like the rest of the continental U.S. You have to like really commit to go to Florida. Um, but we've always had amazing shows here and it's good to be back. Yeah, I missed you the last time you were in town. It was a couple years ago. You were playing at New World Brewery, which is no longer here, unfortunately. Rest in peace, New World. And now you're at Crowbar, much bigger stage, much bigger venue. Do you feel like you're going to get the love from Tampa tonight? Um, I think so, yeah. Like I said, we've always had a lot of support in Florida and it seems like... Um, I don't know. The vibe that I get is that a lot of bands pass over Florida in a way or like not as many bands make it down here. Um, So when there is live music that people want to see, they're really excited to come out to the shows. And I feel like that's part of the reason that we've always had good shows here. Yeah. Also, I feel like there's some kind of weird like symbiosis between uh, like Athens and Tampa because we get a lot of bands that like, you know, come from the Athens area and a lot of the Tampa bands go up to like Athens Pop Fest and play. So I don't know if it's just, you know, Tampa loves Athens for some reason, but we've had a lot of Athens based bands on the podcast too, like Easter Island. Yeah, because Athens is a pretty small community, right? Very small. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah, it's very tight knit. Everyone knows everyone. Um, A lot of people play in each other's bands. Um, It's a pretty collaborative community. We were just there yesterday, actually. It was good to be back. Yeah, so it was a nice little homecoming show? Yeah, for sure. Got to see some family, some old friends. Right on. But now you're not living in Athens anymore, though, right? I've heard that you're living in Philadelphia now? Yeah, so we relocated to Philadelphia about two years ago now. Um, The main thing for me was, like, I went to college in Athens, and I lived there for about seven or eight years total. And you have to be really, you have to really want to be living in a small town to make it work for like a a long period of time. And I haven't really lived in a city before and it felt like I needed to try it, you know? I I lived in Philly for a little while and I feel like Philly's a good, uh, it's like, it's almost not a city, but it is in a weird way. Like it's a really small city, like everybody kind of knows each other, but I guess compared to Athens, it must be quite a change so how how have you felt that the music scene compares in philly compared to athens um in a way it doesn't seem as tight-knit just because it is more scattered and you know the city is much larger um i live in northeast philadelphia and there are a lot of shows that happen in west philadelphia and to get over there by train it takes like 35 sometimes 40 minutes kind of the same by car so it's quite a trek to like make it across town to go to some of those shows in West Philadelphia. So in ways I feel like um, 
I feel like it's not quite as close-knit as Athens, where just everybody knows everyone. Everyone's coming out to every show, no matter what. Um, I think it's just a matter of there being more people, more shows in a way. Um, but I feel like it's still really too early for me to talk about the Philadelphia music scene, like not living there for very long. I don't feel like I have any like claim in it or, you know, I of course I want to be a part of that community, but I don't want to be this person who like moves, you know, a transplant moving into a city who then like has, you know, something to say about the music scene, you know? Like, yeah, I feel you, like I can't quite talk about it yet. Yeah, you don't want to be that person, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, that's that's very noble of you. I, yeah, for sure. So then tell me about the, let's talk more about the Athens scene, because I know um, your first record you made with a friend of ours, actually, Drew Vanderberg, who is the homie. I finally met him um, at South by Southwest this year, and uh, hopefully we're going to be working on a couple projects with him in the future. So, you know, what was it like? Because uh, I, I know, like, through him, you kind of met of Montreal and all these other groups. Was So was was Drew the plug, you know, in that way? Or is, was it just being in Athens and getting to know everybody? Um, it's hard to say really like why we found some success in the beginning. I feel like it was a lot of just chance. I feel that way about a lot of um, success in the music industry in a way. I feel like it's not um, a meritocracy exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of it has to do with chance and just kind of what opportunities get handed to you. Um, but I think that working with Drew Vandenberg was hugely beneficial in like the, the beginning of our band. Um, he introduced us to a lot of people and like, yeah, we did meet of Montreal through him and our, like our first tour was going out with of Montreal, which is wild. Yeah, that that's, that's, that's an amazing first tour. Yeah. Like seriously. Yeah. And they're such a wild band live. So did you feel like you had to kind of step up your game to, to play with them every night or? Um, I didn't even, I didn't know at the time. I didn't know really very much about Of Montreal. I didn't know that their shows are such a like visual experience. So I really had no idea what I was going into. And I wasn't that nervous in a way because I didn't know what I was getting into. You know, it's kind of like if you don't have an understanding or I guess an analogy is like being young and doing like risky things like learning how to skateboard or um, being like more daring when you're young because you don't know what it's like. And I kind of feel like it was the same thing with getting started in touring. It was like when we went out with of Montreal, I wasn't really nervous because I just didn't know what it would be like. And it was just exciting. You know, <laughs> that's a really great way to describe going on tour with of Montreal is like getting on a skateboard for the first time. <laughs> yeah, having no idea what's going to happen or if you're going to face plant. Yeah, I think people can say that about like going to of Montreal shows, too, because yeah. you just never know. So but now you're on the road with Lucy Dacus. So, you know, I know it's kind of the beginning stages of the tour, right? It's we're about four days in for, of a two week tour. OK, so it's still it's still fresh. But what, what's it been like touring with her so far? It's been great. So um, I actually did a tour with Lucy Dacus last year um, in June, and I was uh, I was touring solo. So I rode along in the van with them, and we did some stuff um, in the the Northeast. Like we went to Montreal and um, Burlington, Vermont. We were kind of in that zone, um, and I found that they're such a family. Lucy and her and her touring party, her band members, and I immediately felt at home with them. And so we had to take the opportunity to tour with them again, because I, I find that touring is such a difficult emotional and physical task for me personally. And I think for a lot of people that having that 
really familial feel of like, we're out here taking care of everyone. You know, we're not gonna like leave anyone behind. It's, it's very much about making sure everyone is emotionally taken care of and that everyone's doing well, you know? And I think that's so important. Yeah, no, that really makes sense. I, I don't think people realize how tough touring is, you know, especially like, you know, you're not uh, you're not riding around in a giant, you know, giant tour van or, you know, you don't you're not being pampered all the time at, at this level, you know, so uh, getting on the road is, is really tough, you know, and uh, it's good that you have, like, you know, like you said, a familial bond with everyone you're touring with. So it's good that you get along too. that you and your bands get along. That's great. You know, it'd be it's very, very easy to get along with them. Yeah, they seem real seem really chill. So that's very cool. Um, what's been the biggest change like in the live show that people can expect, you know, since the last time you came to Tampa? Um, I guess sonically the biggest change would be that we are incorporating some electronics into the live set now, um, which we didn't do in the past. Um yeah, so we're doing some stuff with like samples and um, with keyboards, synthesizers. Um, so that's very new and I'm really excited about that. It's something that wasn't really on the last record that we did. It's kind of something that's happened in the meantime with music that we've been working on post Render Another Ugly Method. And we have decided to um, like rearrange some of the older songs with synthesizers. It's just been kind of something to do for fun and to, you know, when you play a song for so long, the, the process of writing and recording and putting out music is so drawn out, as I'm sure you know, because because there's the process of writing the music and then recording the music and then you wait for your record to come out, which is going to take at least four months to press to vinyl. And then you tour on it for, you know, it's recommended that you tour on something for about a year, sometimes a year and a half. And so by the end of that, you know, that might be five years. <laughs> um, and that's a long time to be kind of focusing all of your energy into a group of songs. And I really relate to um, the songwriter Arthur Russell in a lot of ways um, because he had this idea that a song didn't have to exist in a single form. And he was always recording and re-recording his music and performing it different ways and just believed that a song could be um, kind of reincarnated like hundreds of times. And I, I feel the same way. It's, it's almost a bummer to think about a recording of a song being the only way that it exists. And so I think we're always kind of trying to reimagine the songs. That's, that's really cool to think about. And now you got me really excited for tonight's show just because, you know, I feel like already with Render, like, I feel like you kind of took things to like a, a new sonic level, you know, for your, your for your artistry, you know, which is already like I don't know. I look back to like the first song I heard was you know No Crying in Baseball, um, which is the greatest song title of all time, by the way. But um, so I I think back to that, and I feel like when that song came out, people thought that Mothers was just like you know this like singer songwriter you know kind of subdued thing because that's kind of what that track is but then especially with this recent record it's like you totally blew that wide open you know now it's like all about like the sonic textures and the songwriting has kind of evolved so do you feel like you're still evolving in that way oh absolutely um yeah i think that the next record is going to be very very different than either of um the records that we've put out so far 
Um, and I find that exciting. I, in a lot of ways, I'm a very young, I'm very young in my writing. I haven't been doing it for that long. And so I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm really still finding my voice. And a, a lot of making these records has been trying on different hats of sorts and kind of seeing what sticks, you know. I feel like um, writing a song, making a recording, making a record of a collection of songs is really just a good exercise in finding out you know, what works, what doesn't work for your craft. And so I just kind of see them as learning experiences and exercises and, you know, being able to look back and say, I liked this about this recording, but if I were to do it again, I would do it this way instead. And, you know, it's a good time to just reflect on how you would change the work in the future. And I think that's how you move forward and um, really hone your craft. That's, that's really interesting because I feel like for a lot of songwriters, it's kind of it can be the opposite where people like write something and then that's it. They don't want to even look at it anymore. So, I mean, where do you think that comes from your like kind of uh, the refining that you do with the songwriting? Well, I, I definitely when, when I first started writing music, I was the kind of person who would very quickly write a song like really intuitively kind of just let it come out. And I would be like, okay, there it is. I, I wrote that song and it's done. Like not really spending much time on it, letting it be a really, really intuitive process, which I think is helpful. I mean, I think when someone wants to just write a song in that way, like that makes a lot of sense, right? It's very human to just kind of let it come out. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that kind of songwriting. Um, I guess like moving forward, I'm just thinking more about... Um, pulling from things that I've done in the past and kind of, um, I don't know, refining my, my songwriting skills. Because it is a, you know, it's a craft that can be improved. It's, it's not like the kind of thing where um, you start out at this point as a songwriter and you just kind of like stay at the same place. Like there's so much to be learned. And I don't think it has to be formulaic, but I think there's always room for growth. And I feel so much room for growth in, in my songwriting. You know, I asked, uh, I always ask our listeners like, hey, you know, we're interviewing, you know, mothers today. Do you have any questions? Um, and I want to be able to, without totally ruining this, I want to be able to read this verbatim because we had a great question. Um, okay, it's still recording from Alicia from Chicago, who says, um, I see that she has been posting a lot of her paintings on Instagram. How would she relate the concept of underpainting and layering used there to how she builds sonic textures and songwriting in general? Which is a really great question. So thanks, Alicia, for sending that one in. But what, do you, what would you say about that? So I guess she's kind of comparing, you know, the painting to songwriting. Yeah, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I also think that's a great question. So thank you. Um, Alicia, it was? Okay, yeah, thank you for the question. Um, well, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about with um, kind of like refining the craft. Um, I, first of all, I'll just say that my visual art practice and my music practice are very, um, they cohabitate and they share a lot of ideas. So I feel like they thematically are already very intertwined. Um, and I feel like, especially the music that I've been writing more recently um, I've been using uh, the program Ableton on my computer to do a lot of the writing and sort of the drafting, the underpainting, if you will, of the songs. Um, and with that process, you know, I'm able to play around a lot with the structure in a way that's easier than if I were just sitting down with a guitar and trying to write. 
Um, and so it allows a lot of room for kind of moving things around and saying, like, if I put the chorus here, you know, I can just drag and drop it and see what that would be like. Um, so in a lot of ways, working that way is just kind of creating this rough draft of what the song could be. And then you kind of start slowly adding the details and refining, you know, each section. And that's very much how painting works. You know, it's like you start or I start my paintings with an underpainting, which is just a, you know, a single color. Um, and you just get the basic values down. And then once you have everything very accurate, then you start adding the color. And I feel like it's that way with a song because, um, you know, if everything isn't in the right place, when you start getting really picky about all the little details, it almost doesn't matter how nice that little detail is if the song as a whole isn't like structurally complete or just, um, you know, the idea that you wanted it to be. Um, so yeah, I feel like, I feel like they're very, very similar and that's a great question. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's a really cool way of looking at it. You know, I think, uh, yeah, cause I've seen, you know, some of the posting of, of your paintings that you've made and I, I see that like there was one where maybe a few that you posted like the actual evolution of that painting. So you, you, you could kind of see the steps involved and like, I, I'm a terrible visual artist. I cannot do any art. I can't draw a stick figure for the life of me. So to see that process is really amazing and see how, you know, as an artist, you kind of will, will, you know, refine and make those, uh, those small tweaks, but yeah. that's really cool. I, I love seeing the process and, um, it, there's this, uh, wonderful museum in Philadelphia called, um, the, fabric workshop and museum and yeah you've been there yeah. um and what i love about that museum is that they show process works for all of the works in the museum um so you see maybe the artist's notebook that they were um that they were drawing you know drafts in while they were making the work or you see scraps of fabric from something they were working on and it kind of lifts up the curtain in a really positive way where the person looking at the art can see like this isn't something that just materialized from genius or something it's like this was just hours and hours of planning and work and it came to be this thing but I, I feel like it's unhealthy to have this idea this kind of like genius idea of um, you know art or like incredible music just materializing with no work behind it so I think it's really exciting to see like the process of work because that's where so much of it happens yeah, no, that's really true. I think sometimes people think that, that like, oh, you know, this this thing just came, you know, it just came to you in like a dream or something. And like, yeah, maybe it happens that way for one of every thousand things that you do. But, you know, I think people forget that like this is this is work, you know, <laughs> this is this is your job is to create and creating is not an easy thing to do, you know. So um, so what's what's the usual process for you then when you're writing? Does it start kind of in solitude or do you write with others? What's your usual process? Yeah, I've always started the songs by myself. It's sort of changed. Um, it's interesting to me how it's changed over time. So the first record that we made um, was very much poems set to music. So um, it was like the... I wrote all of the words for that record first. They were just poems on paper. Um, and I was at this point where I didn't know how I would publish a book of poems because that felt just impossible. I just didn't know where to start. Um, and that was when I started turning them into songs because I had, you know, an acoustic guitar. Um, and that was sort of the 
most intuitive way for me to publish them, so to speak, or to put them out in the world. It felt like I could have like closure on those poems if they became songs and then recordings. Um, so I worked on all of that alone. And then sort of once there was like a basic song structure with the poem, I started working with Matt and Dereg on, you know, drum arrangements, um, uh, you know, other instruments. Um, and then the second record, Render Another Ugly Method, was it was more collaborative in a lot of ways because the the lyrics weren't all set in stone before um, we started working on the songs. And there was a lot more of a conversation between the way that the words and the music came together. It was it was much more deconstructive. It was kind of like I would, you know, I would write kind of a basic strong song structure. And then through the process of like jamming the songs and working on parts, we would reformat it a lot and maybe kind of tear a lot of it away, saving like this one little section of like lyrics and music. And then I would like kind of rewrite the song around that piece. So there was a, a lot more conversation, I think, between myself and the other musicians I was working with on the second record. That's really interesting to see in it, but it makes sense for the second record, I think, because I, I feel like, um, you know, the, I, obviously the first record has amazing songs and, all, you know, all the arrangements are really good. But I feel like in the second record, you really spent a lot. It sounds like you spent a lot more time figuring out where these these other little pieces are going to go and kind of building a wider, more sonic palette, if you will. So it makes sense that it was more, you know, of a collaborative thing, I guess, yeah. you know, that's cool. That's cool. So what's what's the next record going to be like then? Um, you know, it's hard to say. It's still pretty early. Um, there are a lot of songs in progress right now, which at this point I've just been working on them alone. And honestly, getting Ableton has really kind of changed the way I think about writing music in a positive way because um, a lot of my limitations in the past with working on music and specifically with working on arrangements for my song has been, you know, that I'm, I'm not a very good drummer. I'm not a very good percussionist. I'm, I'm not a very good bass player. Um, but having Ableton and being able to do things like program percussion and to be able to play a bass line on the keyboard has been a lot easier for me. So it's kind of like I've been able to retain a lot more control, I feel, in the writing of the new songs because I've been sort of holding on to them for a bit longer while I work on more of the arrangements myself, sort of before inviting other musicians to collaborate with me. Um, so I think in some ways, the next record will be a bit more concentratedly my voice, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, shout out to Ableton for making this happen. Like, come on, cut the check, Ableton. Where are we going? This is a great, this is a great endorsement from Christine right here on Ableton. Uh, but it's true, like that—that that does really kind of break down the barriers for somebody that you know. You, obviously, not everybody can play every single instrument, like yeah. like Drew Vandenberg or somebody, you know. So it's like it's good to be able to to do that and be able to like write with your own voice, you know. I also think that the. The accessibility is really powerful in that Ableton, okay, Ableton isn't incredibly affordable. You know, it's it's a, an expensive investment for a lot of people, um, but it's much cheaper than going out and buying a synthesizer, for example. And I think that accessibility is, 
really special because it's allowed me to have access to a lot of plugins and software instruments of synths that I don't know if I would ever be able to afford. <laughs> yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I'm curious, what is something about you outside of music and art that maybe nobody knows about? Like, what else are you into? You know, are you secretly like a, you know, a, a Marvel Comics nerd or something? Like, what's, tell us a little bit more about the uh, Christine behind the scenes. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, the pressure is really on, isn't it? Um, I, I love the Great British Baking Show. Oh, that okay. maybe isn't super ex expected, but maybe it is. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I find a lot of joy in kind of like mindless television um, because it allows, I don't know, I love escapism <laughs> sometimes because I feel like often I'm so in my head and um, I feel like I really benefit from that kind of escapism. And there's something about the Great British Baking Show that I find so charming because it's a reality show, but all the contestants are so gentle and they're so supporting of the other people yeah. on the show. It's like the least cutthroat reality show you've ever seen. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I've seen a little bit of that. Like my wife loves like Nailed It and all those like, you know, all the cooking shows. So um, I haven't seen too much of the Great British Baking Show, but uh, I can, I could see that how they would be a little bit more supportive than like, you know, uh, what's like Hell's Kitchen or whatever these other like super intense shows are. Yeah, yeah, it's obvious from the name of that show that it's supposed to be really intense and people yeah. are going to fight. Yeah. Um, I guess something else that might not be known about me is that I did competitive gymnastics for about 10 years. Um, that's kind of, yeah, most people probably wouldn't know that. Um, I'm also really good at um, shooting guns. I was on a rifle team for a long time and um, doing like target shooting. <laughs> so, so wait, what you're telling me is essentially you might like secretly be like an assassin with like your gymnastics and, you know, that's shooting been, abilities. That's been, it's been suggested. <laughs> yeah, it, it has been suggested. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, so you grew up in Georgia, right? Yeah. So that's, that's probably where the, the rifles and stuff come in, which is, yeah. you know, yeah. So that's, that's just a part of the. Uh, a part of the culture there, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I wasn't expecting to hear any of those things from you. So that's awesome. So now when I see you like do like a triple double axle or something on stage, it won't be a surprise to me exactly. or the listeners. <laughs> yeah. What would you say to uh, somebody who, you know, looks up to you, listens to your music and, you know, wants to do this kind of thing or wants to get into music? Like what's, what is the biggest piece of advice for somebody growing up or coming up now in, in this crazy music world? Yeah, um, I guess, you know, I haven't been like in the music industry, so to speak, for very long. Like I've only been putting out records for a couple of years, but I feel like in my experience thus far, I found that it's really easy to be discouraged by the system that's in place. Um, and I mean, I, I would encourage people to potentially try to find ways outside of the music industry as it exists currently to release music. And I mean, I'm saying that as a person who is putting out music on a record label right now. Um, so I realize that sounds pretty hypocritical, but I, I feel like a lot of changes need to happen within the music industry to make it more of a community. Um, and I feel like, I feel like if people I don't know. Um, 
I guess I just find that it's so easy to be discouraged that I almost wouldn't recommend for other people to do it. <laughs> I Not that I, I want people to make music forever. Music is so important, but um, like I, I never expected or really wanted to be part of the music industry. It sort of happened to me and I'm very grateful for the opportunities that I've had within that. But um, I guess I, in, a, in ways I wouldn't recommend pursuing it. I think it's a lot healthier to make music and make recordings and not have expectations of financial success because we're a band who has been, I would say, moderately successful. Um, and we are extremely financially unstable. And so in that way, it's, it's kind of not something that I can really recommend for other people to do. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's I, honestly, as an artist manager, I might say the same thing, you know? So, um, but yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, then my recommendation is go to shows and support these artists because, you know, you may think that somebody's doing really well, but this is a really tough industry. So, yeah. you know. I also think it's just really important to remember that like artists, musicians that you, lo you look up to are just regular people with insecurities who are probably struggling financially, probably struggling emotionally, maybe physically. Um, and, you know, there's this tendency to put artists that you like on a pedestal or to feel that they're, you know, like better than you or more important than you or just, you know, special. And I feel like that's really unhealthy. And, and I feel like just reminding yourself that they're probably going through a lot of the same things that you are just as a human person in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. And also, I mean, again, I know we're about to wrap up, but I, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why people are really drawn to your music, you know, is because you have such an honesty about your about your music and, and your lyrics and everything seems so personal and so heartfelt that, you know, I, I can see how people could probably connect with, OK, I'm feeling the exact same way Christine's feeling or, you know, I think she's feeling in the song because no one really knows, you know. Yeah. So that's great. Well, um, any final thoughts for our Cigar City Radio listeners or the Tampa crowd before you get to sound checking? Um, no, just thank you so much, Tampa, for always supporting us and honestly, Florida at large. <laughs> so thanks for coming out to the shows and listening to our music. Right on. Yeah, well, I'm, I'll be in the crowd tonight. Can't wait. Thanks a lot, Christine, for hanging out with us.